I am so thankful to be here with you. I missed you all last week, but what a phenomenal week. What a phenomenal week. My word, have I got a testimony from last week. My spirit is <clears throat> on fire tonight. I can't put into words, I really can't put into words what I'm feeling inside. This afternoon as I've been getting myself ready, as I've been before the Lord and conversing with Him and with other ministers and just, you know, really getting ready for tonight. Whew, my word, my word, my word, did God speak to me so deeply, so intimately, and I just knew, knew. I'm so excited, I'm falling over my words. I can't believe it. I have got to get this that's in my spirit out. Tonight is the probably the only night that I'm going to share this on the live stream. We may well put it up next week as a podcast. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to really stir me on that one. But this is going to be a moment in history, your history, my history, our history, that changes your life. And you're going to learn something by the Spirit of God tonight that very few preachers will ever teach you because just like Constantine wrote to the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, if you learn the true details and the depth of the mystery of God's Word and you begin to understand what God has written in the Scriptures, then what you will have is an understanding of God that men cannot control you. Constantine, the Roman Empire, wrote to the bishops at the Council of Nicaea and told them to deliberately remove passages of Scripture, to deliberately remove text from the Bible, because if the everyday person understood what Jesus had taught, they would become too powerful in the Spirit for them to be controlled by the Roman Empire. If you get tonight what I'm about to teach you by the Spirit of God, you will tap into a dimension of the anointing that you have never seen yourself exposed to in the entire history of your faith. I believe with all of my heart we have entered into what most people are calling the last days, and I'm going to say is the latter glory, the latter reign. I believe that through this, this uh, pandemic, God has, as you've heard me many, say many times, God has, in the middle of this pandemic, smacked the reset button hard for us as believers, for us in the church. For us as true believers, let me put it that way. There's a difference between a believer and a true believer. See, there's a lot of people that profess the Christian faith that we adhere to, that we that we uh, that we love and we reverence and we profess. But there's a lot of people that don't hold to its orthodox traditional values like you and I do. The reason I know you're connected to me in these live streams is you're looking for a truth. You're looking for a deeper relationship. You're looking for greater intimacy with the Holy Spirit and better understanding of the Word of God that we're not getting at the moment. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, big up myself. I don't think I'm all that in a bag of potato chips. I just know God shows me things 
that very few people ever really teach in depth on. And today I was just talking to a friend of mine, Pastor Ro. Many of you have seen me do the, the live stream with Pastor Ro a couple of weeks ago. I was, as you know, last week I was away with Prophet Hubert Angel doing their, their record breaker week. And I'm telling you, this was a record breaker week, not just for them, not just for the good news world, but for, for Dewar and CDTV and every one of you connected to me in these live streams and connected to our ministry. But whew, my word, did God do something? And God is doing something. So tonight I want to talk to you very briefly. If you want to go to scripture, I'm going to be referencing the story of Elijah and Elisha. And um, there are some powerful truths in there that I want to share. But today I had a lovely, long conversation with my friend. And, uh, and so much came out of it. And as I was talking to him, I knew the Holy Spirit was uh, really speaking to me and telling me, Dewey, I want you to say this tonight. I really want you to bring this to the people. So here we go. Let's get into it. I'm not going to read the scriptures because there's an awful lot to go over. Really study in depth the, the life of Elijah and the relationship with Elisha is well worth knowing. Several years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about the anointing on my life. And this applies to every single one of us that we think that the anointing only flows on ministers of the gospel. As we know, Elijah is, is walking down the, the pathway, the, the walkway, whatever you want to call it, down the road. Couldn't think of the word. And Elisha's plowing behind the ox. So Elijah and Elisha connect by the, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And having passed him by, something in Elisha stirs immediately, and he knows that he must walk with Elijah. That is the same thing that happened in my life the day I met my spiritual father. I just knew instantly, I am connected to this man by the Spirit of God. This is more than choosing to go to a church. This is more than choosing to sit under a pastor. This is simply the Spirit of God in me connecting with the Spirit of God in my Elijah. The, the Spirit of God on your man of God. From that moment, there is a spirit connection that exists. So we have to set our minds to the fact that God has a man or a woman of God for you to connect with that is more than the connection you get by just going to church. Every one of us is created to connect to, and I'll use the term because I quote, I quote the Elijah Elisha principle so much, but God has created an Elijah for your Elisha. Somewhere in this world, the deep of the spirit in you is calling out to the deep of the spirit in somebody else. And I've taught on that before, right here on the live stream. And in doing that, there becomes a spirit connection between you and a prophet that God has appointed to be over your life. I'm very careful to use that word prophet. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 2020, believe in the Lord, you'll be established. Believe in his prophets, you'll prosper. That word prosper is not financial prosperity. It means in every single area of your life, you will do well. You will grow well. You will live well. 
you will have, as we see in the New Testament, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But I'm going beyond that too. There is something in the spirit that we must connect to. And as I began to study the life of Elijah and Elisha, as I studied the, what, I, what I call the Elijah-Elisha principle, the connection of the spirit in the serving for the purpose of overtaking. Serving to overtake. Elisha served Elijah for 22 years, according to some theologians. Others say 15 Whatever the time scale is, whatever the time limit is on your period of servitude, the purpose of serving the prophet God has put you under is because God intends for you to go beyond that which the prophet has done. God connects Elijah and Elisha in the spirit so that in the season of transition, in the season of transfer, Elisha will go to the double portion. Now, there are too many people, for my liking, going round asking for the laying on of hands to receive the double portion. So let me qualify something for you that are watching on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, wherever you are. The laying on of hands is not the biblical prerequisite for the transference of the double portion. Elijah says, if you see me when I am called up, the hard thing that you have asked will happen. So there is a shift in the spirit, a transfer, not only of the mantle, of the anointing, of the grace, of the mission of the prophet, so that in that shift, in that moving of the mantle from one prophet to somebody now well qualified to be another prophet, the anointing of the double portion transitions from where it was to where it is supposed to be. Let me say that again. The anointing transitions from where it was to where it is supposed to be. See, there's an awful lot of people got in the way of God's plan for the transition and are carrying a mantle or carrying an anointing that was never theirs to receive. They usurped the process. They interjected themselves into the relationship between the Elijah and the Elisha and took something that did not belong to them. See, in this day and age, we would call it theft. They stole the mantle from somebody else. But the mantle, the mantle only functions to that who God has already decided, if you meet my criteria, then what you desire will transition to you. Last week when I was with Prophet Angel, we were talking about the end of a dispensation. When Dr. Cirillo made his transition to the Father's house, the, the dispensation of the generals of his era came to an end. He was the last of the great generals of that era. But God already has the next dispensation ready and waiting. So in the moment... In the moment when Dr. Cirillo transitioned out of this earth and that dispensation 
passed, it ceased to exist. The next one had already begun. There is a moment in your life when the profit over your life will transition from our presence into the eternal presence of God. And the mantle has already been prepared. And the transition will immediately take place. But just like Elisha, our responsibility is to step into the place of receiving and to pick up the mantle that has fallen. It is no accident in scripture that we read that Elijah's robe fell off him as the chariot took him up and Elisha had to cross over to pick it up and put it on. That's a physical example of the transitioning, the passing of the mantle from prophet to prophet. Track with me, I hope you're following me because I'm taking you somewhere. So Elisha understood for all of the time that he was teaching, uh, for all the time that he was serving under Elisha, being taught by Elijah, forgive me, not Elisha, Elisha understood that he would have to place a demand on the anointing on his prophet. He would have to place a demand on the anointing of his prophet. Nobody else. So I'm not, even with my own spiritual father, I'm not asking that he lay his hands on me to give me a double portion of his anointing. I'm not, I'm not asking that he prays. What I've learned in serving him is that I have a responsibility to place a demand on the anointing that rests on his life. See, I can tap into that grace, that anointing, that, prof- that mantle, that prophetic ministry, that whatever it is that he carries. I can tap into that when I place a demand on the anointing on his life. Dealing with my own life, dealing with my own man of God. I have to. It's not his responsibility. He doesn't dispense the double portion. He doesn't dispense a portion whilst I'm waiting of the anointing. I have to place a demand on the anointing on his life. When we read the New Testament, we see Jesus praying fervently to the Father. And in doing so, even in Gethsemane, it says that the anointing came on him so thick that his he, he sweat blood. His, his sweat literally turned to blood. Because Because even Christ in his human form had to place a demand on the anointing of God. Let me take you to an example in the New Testament. So there is a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. And she says this, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I know I will be healed. That is placing a demand on the healing anointing on Jesus' life. And it's the first time in the entire New Testament that we see Jesus is not directly involved with the healing anointing that flowed through him to touch her life. Why? Because she had tapped into what Elisha knew about Elijah, what Christ knew about the Father, that I must place a demand on the anointing to come on my life. See, there are many people that experience the anointing 
there, there are many people that feel the presence of God, that, that understand the moving of the Spirit, but in doing so, don't place a demand on what they're feeling, on what they're experiencing. Don't place a demand on the anointing of the man or woman that they sit under. Don't place a demand when they're in the presence of a prophet. Last week, I spent the whole week with Prophet Angel, and I was truly blessed that he gave me the opportunity to be there so long, because I was supposed to be there for one night. I ended up being there all week. But when I'm with the prophet, what it teaches me, what I'm trying to, to get you to understand is, I'm there for two reasons. One, I was there to serve him and help do what they wanted me to do for Miracle TV, Good News TV, and the Good News World. But two, in his presence, in his presence, I was able to place a demand on the prophetic mantle that rests on his life. But when I'm in the presence of people of true significance in my life, I'm there to serve, sometimes I'm there to learn, sometimes I'm there to teach, but in all times what I'm doing is placing a demand on the anointing that is on their life, to attract it to my life. Now, here's where it gets interesting, because having placed that demand on the anointing, having placed that that call to the thing that's on them, to the thing that's on my man of God, here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Son, you have to command the demand. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm going to clue what you're talking about. I really, really don't know what you're trying to explain to me. So please show me what you mean. And he said, son, it's simple. When you place a demand on the anointing, when you place a demand on the anointing of your man of God, of your woman of God, of a prophet, of, of a, a preacher that you're around, when you place a demand on that, when that anointing comes on you, you are the one that must command where the anointing works. You are the one that must command where the anointing flows. It is not me that does it, because I have given you the ability to choose not to. Oh, somebody missed it. I hope you got what I just said. God has given you the ability, ability, Lord have mercy, ability to command where the anointing flows, to command where the anointing moves. God has given us the ability to command where we place the demand. You are the one that directs the flow. See, as I was explaining to my friend today, when I was talking to him, God could, if I'm in a, in, a, in a prayer line, for example, and I'm flowing in the spirit of prophecy, and God gives me a prophetic utterance for a, for a gentleman, 20 people down the road from where I am, I have to choose to leave where I am and go to him and speak the things that God is saying. I have to choose. I can be disobedient. I can ignore that voice. I cannot go to him and, and not prophesy. If I'm praying for the sick, I can choose not to lay my hands on you. I'm not compelled, I'm not forced by the Spirit of God. Whew, Jesus, help me. I'm not forced by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, to do anything. So I am the one, you are the one, that places the demand on the anointing and then commands where the demand is dispensed. I command where the demand is is dispensed. I am the one flowing in the anointing. You are the one 
flowing in the anointing. It is the Holy Spirit flowing through you. But if you are not willingly participating, the Holy Spirit does not work. If you are not willingly participating, the Holy Spirit does not work where you are. See, you can be in the supermarket and somebody pray, somebody ask you to pray for their healing and you place a demand on the healing anointing, but you now command where it works because you're the one that commands the, the flowing of the Spirit right there in Tesco's, Asda, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Morrison's, wherever you shop, Marks and Spencer's for some of us. You are the one. Not the Holy Spirit forcing you. You command that the flow of the anointing begin to happen right there. Because you're the one placing the demand on the healing anointing. When you flow in prophetic utterance, you place a demand on the spirit of prophecy, but you command the words that come out of your mouth because you can choose not to speak. You can choose not to pray. You can choose not to flow in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell, let me make something real clear. Although the scripture says in, in, uh, in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the calling and the gifting of God is beyond repentance or recall. When you don't use the gift he's given you, it will cease to flow. God never takes it from you. And when you get yourself right and, and get yourself in good standing with you and God, the gift will flow again. And I say that from personal experience because I began to prophesy when I was 15, 16 years of age. But there was a whole period in my life where because of the, the abuse of the prophetic gifting by certain people in the church universal, I decided I would not flow in prophetic gifting. No matter how much anointing I had, no matter how strong that gifting was, I was not going to use it. And I got to a point where the Holy Spirit never once forced me to use it. And then someday, a couple of years ago, another preacher prayed for me. And in the, I was gone. I was out in the spirit. I mean, they, they threw a face cloth at me. I didn't even get close to them. Now, I know the preacher laid their hands on me because afterwards people told me. But the, the, that preacher threw a face cloth at my chest and the power of God hit me so hard. But whilst the Holy Spirit was ministering to me, he rebuked me for not flowing in the gift that he'd given me. And I made a decision that day coming out of that experience with the Spirit of God that I would begin to allow him to use the gift that he had placed on my life and open myself up to flowing in prophetic ministry. And because of that, I began to place a demand on the prophetic anointing. I began to place a demand on the prophetic mantle. But even when I sit here live streaming with you and I begin to flow in the prophetic, you need to understand, I could have chosen not to speak those words. I could have chosen not to say the things the Spirit was showing me. But I commanded the dispersing of that anointing. I commanded the dispersing of that prophetic utterance. See, if I wasn't, if I wasn't needed in, in the equation, the Holy Spirit would prophesy to you directly. Wouldn't need me. Wouldn't need a prophet. But he didn't. God speaks through his prophets. And you can be the prophet of your own life because the scripture says it is right that every believer should prophesy. So I had to learn to place a demand on the anointing on my man of God. I had to learn to place a demand on people of significance in my life so that 
I can tap into the anointing that's on them, the grace that is on them, the favor that is on them. And then in doing so, I command where I dispense that anointing. Jesus, one time only, Jesus is not involved in the dispensing of the anointing that's on him. It's the woman with the issue of blood. But what we later discover in scripture is whilst the anointing to heal was on him, when he gets to where he's going, he doesn't have to heal the person there. He has to raise them from the dead. So the anointing to heal is different to the anointing to raising the dead. Now, let me clarify something to be theologically correct. There is one anointing. We find it in Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me and gives you the reasons for the anointing. So there's one anointing, but it has different elements and different uh, outworkings, so to speak. She puts a demand on the healing anointing on Jesus' life, reaches out, touches the hem of the garment, and the scripture says, and virtue left him. And he turns to his disciples and says, who touched me? because he recognizes that anointing is gone. And they're all cuckoo, because you know, there's hundreds of people there, well, you know, everybody's touching you, Lord. That's a silly thing to say. And he realizes, no, 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 somebody, somebody just dispensed the anointing that was on me. Somebody just took the healing anointing off my life. And she stands up and he realizes it's her and she begins to praise him and give him thanks for what's just taken place. And that element of praise restores an anointing to his life. But that anointing is not the anointing for healing. That anointing is now the anointing to raise the dead. Different thing altogether. She placed a demand and she also commanded where it would be dispensed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. There's the demand. I know I will be healed. There's the command of the disbursement. She both commanded the disbursement, the, the dispersing of the anointing and put a demand on the anointing that was on him. We have to get this family. We've got to get this. You have to, in your own life, place a demand on the anointing that is on your man or your woman of God. And in doing so, you then command where the anointing is dispersed and dispensed in your life. Dispensed, that's a better word than dispersed. You command the dispensing of the anointing in your life. And if you don't, if you don't see it, it's because you're not placing a demand on the anointing. Let me say that again. If you don't see the dispensing of the anointing, you have not placed a demand on it because you cannot, you, you, you cannot place a demand on the anointing without having the, 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 the need to dispense it and seeing it dispensed. Oh, you, you I, I, man, I wish there was somebody else in the studio I could talk to. I think you missed that. You cannot place a demand on the anointing and not see the result of where it's dispensed because you are the one commanding the dispensation of that anointing. The dispensation, I got dispensations on the brain, dispensing of that anointing. You are the one that determines where it flows.